0: We've already heard a little bit about uh, my day job. I'm wearing a couple of hats tonight, uh, but let me mention another ministry that I'm uh, involved in as well. I also uh, am part of the Council for the Gospel Coalition Australia. Uh, which is a group you may or may not have heard of. It runs a website and uh, tries to uh, coordinate ministries around Australia to uh, promote the, the cause of the Lord Jesus. The reason I mention it is because uh, our, our kind of mission statement, which we, we didn't invent it, we, we got it through thinking about uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, is based around four words starting with the words, uh, with the letter C. We want to see people convinced uh, about the, uh, the, the power and the beauty and the, the, the glory of the gospel. We want people to commend that gospel uh, in their speech and in their actions. We want people to contend for that gospel in uh, the kind of the midst of a world which is sometimes hostile. And uh, we, we would like to try and facilitate connection between Christians so that we can work together uh, to promote the cause of the Lord Jesus because we're better together than we are on our, on our own. Um, now, having said that, uh, you may think that there are lots of things in the Christian faith that it would be good to be convinced of, uh, to commend and contend for. But tonight I just want to pick out one aspect of the Bible's teaching, which may seem blindingly obvious, uh, but uh, let me say it anyway. I want us to think tonight about the goodness of God. I think we need to be convinced of the goodness of God, and I think we need to commend and contend for the goodness of God We don't particularly need to connect around it. So that's where the whole thing falls apart a little bit. But certainly those three uh, C's I'd like us to uh, think about. The goodness of God. It kind of kicks off with that first verse in Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And this verse uh, occurs as a chorus through many psalms in the uh, Psalter and also through the rest of the Old Testament. And it states that most basic truth, that the the Lord is good. Then it goes on to talk about his steadfast love, which, as you heard in the passage, gets picked up as the the kind of refrain through the rest of that psalm. So tonight I want to think about uh, the goodness of God. Uh, Why? Well, let me give you three reasons. The first one is it's a wonderful Bible truth. The second one is it's at times a troubling Bible truth. And thirdly, it's an increasingly contested Bible truth. Uh, Let me just briefly take you through those uh, as, uh, as to what I'm thinking. Uh, in my uh, role working uh, with the GAFCON theological colleges, I get to do uh, a, a fair bit of travelling, and uh, get to go to a number of different places and meet with Christians. It's fantastic when you meet people uh, around the world who know and love the Lord Jesus and are doing work on uh, His behalf. Uh, when you go to a place and uh, been going to uh, Africa, particularly. Uh, Christians do things a little bit differently there, and it takes a—it doesn't take a lot of getting used to, but it's certainly kind of challenging in its own way. When I was visiting Uganda, I was struck by the fact that whenever anyone spoke in public or in a group or anything like that, they had a kind of little chorus and response which they would begin their talk with. Uh, sometimes it was they would get up and they would say, praise the Lord, and everyone who heard that would immediately know the response was to say, hallelujah, and then they would go on with their saying. Uh, And then the other thing that they said uh, a lot of the time was a person, before they would speak in any kind of public context, they would say, God is good, and the response would come all the time. And sometimes what they would do, then they would say all the time, and then the people would say, God is good, and then having said that, they would get on with with whatever they wanted to say. Now... Maybe this is a reflection on me and my lack of piety, but this was both refreshing and also kind of unusual. We don't do that in Australia. Well, maybe you do here. I don't know, but I, I didn't hear it at the beginning of the service tonight or anything like that. We don't kind of do that kind of public thing. We might say good day or good evening or whatever, but we kind of hop straight in. But, uh, and it was interesting because I was speaking a number of times and I kind of had to remind myself don't jump straight in. Do the, do the cultural thing. Yeah? God is good and wait for the response and, and so on. Uh, and uh, it, was, you know, it was kind of a, a, a little bit uncomfortable, but you'd expect that in another culture. But the refreshing thing was that it was constantly being reinforced, reinforced to me, this essential and basic Bible truth, Christianity 101, that God is good. You are con- continually being reminded about it. And not only were you being reminded that God is good, You are reminded that God is good all the time, not just in the morning, not just in the evening, not just occasionally, not just for a period of time, but from eternity to everlasting. God's character can be consistently and thoroughly described as good. There's no shadow of turning with him as the words of the old hymn go. So this is a good truth. This is a good Bible truth and one to cling to. But as I say this, maybe it's when you think, well, hang on, that's kind of a bit obvious, isn't it? It's, doesn't it go without saying that God is good? And if it does go without saying, maybe that's the problem. Because sometimes if we don't say a lot of things, we can, they can go. We can lose that truth. It's not a bad thing to be reminded of, even though it might feel really, really basic. So it's a good Bible truth. Second thing is it can be a troubling Bible truth. Well, what do I mean? Well, and another conversation recently with a Christian brother, he's persevered for a long time in a, a difficult Christian ministry. It's one of those one step forward, two steps back, two step forward, one step back. It's, is it working? Is it not? And he is now struggling with some health news, which will not have a positive outcome. It won't be soon, but, but he will certainly die with the condition that he's got when it uh, kind of uh, enacts. And he's starting to worry about his uh, wife, obviously, and young children and the future, the ministry, the whole thing is going on. I'd just been talking to him about my Uganda experience and he shared with me the difficulty of hanging on to the truth that God is good in his present circumstances. He's a mature Christian person. He knows the truth. He knows that God is good. He knows what the scriptures say. But his experience was making it an uncomfortable truth. How do you you hold on to the truth that God is good when this is going on around you? Sometimes it can be a, a difficult truth for us to grasp. Thirdly, it's a contested truth. Uh, this was based on a conversation uh, I had with a friend of mine. He had a daughter at a girls' school. Uh, she made an appointment to see her school counsellor uh, about some anxiety issues to do with her study. And uh, one of the first questions uh, that the counsellor asked the, the young girl in the context was uh, about her Christian faith. And uh, this, uh, the, the, the girl felt this was not a positive inquiry. In that the counsellor was fishing for the Christian faith to be the problem behind her anxiety, uh, and because uh, she knew that this young girl had a uh, had a Christian faith, the implication of the questioning was that to be a Christian was not a good thing for her mental health. Now. There might have been more to it, it might have been suspicions about the family and all that, but the distinct impression she got was that because you're a Christian, somehow this is going to be intimately connected uh, with the issues that you're coming to. Uh, I guess these three anecdotes point to the good, the bad, and the ugly of thinking about the goodness of God, and I want to just briefly uh, go back uh, over those things once again. It is a good Bible teaching. It's a wonderful teaching of Scripture and a good description of God, mainly used in the Old Testament and in the Psalms. And here's a small selection. Psalm 25, verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his way. When we talk about God being good, it has a moral dimension, that he is good in his character. He is upright. He is righteous. Uh, And because of that, he does good to us. So we might say God is good because he does good, but that springs out of a character which is good and pure. Psalm 34 verse 8 invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Uh, The psalmist is confident that uh, if you want to test the fact that God is good, you can commit yourself to him and find out that he is good. And you will be blessed, of course, if you take refuge. Psalm 106 verse 2 begins with the same words that we read in uh, Psalm 107 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. But then see what the psalmist says. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? The psalmist is simply saying there is a superabundance of good. Uh, to maybe take the words of John's gospel at the very end out of context, all the books in the world could not contain all that could be said about the goodness of God. It is a super abundance. Psalm 135 verse 3 simply exhorts us to praise the Lord for he is good. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about his choice of his people, Jacob, and his people, Israel. His goodness is his graciousness and his activity uh, with his people. And a similar note is picked up in Psalm 145 verses 8 to 10, Describes God's character. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works uh, praise you, uh, Lord. Your faithful people extol you because of this. The Lord is good to all, the psalmist says. There is an indiscriminateness to God's goodness. Uh, He is good to uh, the righteous and the unrighteous. He causes rain and sunshine to fall on everybody. There is a goodness there. This is just a small selection and more could be said that just gives us that vibe, that feel uh, of the Psalms, uh, the testimony of scripture to speak of God is good, the source of all that makes life possible and worthwhile, the deliverer, as we saw in uh, Psalm 107 of those in need, uh, the one who made the universe and declared it very good uh, as a result of his good hand. As I said, though, there is that dark side to thinking about God's goodness. Uh, We might be troubled by the goodness of God ourselves when we find ourselves in dire circumstances. And this is also in the Bible's experience. Psalm 73, uh, verse 1, begins with a person meditating on the truth of God. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But see what the next verse says? As for me, my feet had almost slipped. I lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And the psalmist then takes the the rest of the psalm to work through uh, the disparity he sees between saying God is good to his people, Israel, but then he looks around him and he sees people who don't care anything about God prospering, who are doing well. And how can this possibly be? How is God good if uh, his people are suffering, but there are wicked people, unrighteous people who are prospering and uh, he he has to work through the whole psalm to to kind of think that one through Uh, and uh, it's quite a journey uh, and it's a journey that perhaps uh, many of us have undertaken perhaps it's ahead of us for some but uh, there will be oftentimes in our circumstances events that cause us to question the goodness of God. When I was doing a little bit of uh, reading or trying to do some reading on this, I went to the Moore College Library, uh, which boasts that it's the biggest library in the uh, Southern Hemisphere, which is not a great claim when you consider that's Antarctica as an opposition. But anyway, uh, I was looking for books on the goodness of God. Has anyone written a book? Surely someone's written a book on the goodness of God. And there is no book titled The Goodness of God. There's plenty on the love of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God, but nothing on the goodness of God. But when I put goodness and God together in a kind of a keyword search, there was heaps of books on these topics. Why does God allow suffering? How can a good God allow bad things to happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, In in other words, it's in the area of this issue of of suffering, of trying to understand God's will, that the keywords God and good were attached. This is a common experience to, to, to wrestle with these questions as Christian believers. But it's not just circumstances that can make us doubt the goodness of God. There, there seems to be something hardwired into us as people, and uh, the Bible calls that sin, which means that we will find it difficult to accept that God is good. Uh, if you remember, uh, you weren't there, but if you remember reading uh, the, the passage in, uh, right back in there in Genesis 3 when the serpent tempts the woman, uh, he, uh, the serpent asks three questions. Uh, And all of them uh, are meant to uh, cause Adam and Eve to doubt God. First of all, his word. But the last question is is an assault on God's goodness. Uh, God knows that when you eat of the fruit, you'll be like him, knowing the difference between good and evil. In other words, what the serpent is trying to do is say that you think God is good. Well, he's not that good. He's made a law to hold something good back from you. He doesn't, he doesn't, you can't trust him. He's not that good. Uh, You you need to uh, do your own thing, obey your own voice. Uh, You don't need to rely on God because he is not quite as good as you thought. Uh, And so this this can be sometimes within us uh, to to think about this. We do not take to heart the words of Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good and what you do is good. That sounds fine. But then the psalmist says, teach me your decrees, teach me your will, teach me your laws. We will delight to obey God if we understand that he is good. Yet sometimes we find taking God's instruction on board difficult because we, I guess the question in our mind is, is it, is it really going to be that good for me to obey? Uh, and, and this can lead us into all sorts of uh, odd areas. I was especially struck on this uh, by a prayer from uh, John Owen. Uh, I bought this book and uh, I would recommend it. It's called by Tim Chester, Into His Presence. If you're looking for something to help your prayer life, this is a a bunch of rewritten in in English that you can actually understand of prayers from a a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, And I was going to use this uh, in my quiet times. I haven't got past the first prayer in the three months I've been kind of praying this, but right in the middle of that is this thought, flesh and blood are so apt to have hard thoughts of you. We, we, are, we are kind of hardwired, it seems, to think badly of God, not well of God. We are afraid to think well of you. We think it a boldness to look on you as a good, gracious, tender, kind and loving. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can unpack out of that. But one of the things there is that we can find it sometimes hard to understand that God is good there. And thirdly, and very quickly, our thoughts on the ugly. Uh, Is God acknowledged as good in the world around us? I've already told you about my friend's experience uh, at the school. Um, I don't think I'm saying anything particularly new when I observe with many others that it feels like the culture around us uh, is not convinced that God is good. Uh, Christianity, uh, many say, and I agree with this, has moved from being seen as a positive force in the culture way back in the dim, dark ages to basically a relevant, mostly harmless, but nowadays I think people are more inclined to say that, uh, that, that faith maybe generally, especially the Christian faith, is actually bad for you. It's bad for your mental health. It's bad for your individual well-being. It's bad for world peace. God is not good. And if that thought is around us in the culture, that's not going to help us when we have to struggle with those bad circumstances that come up to grasp the truth of the Bible, that God is good. The TV uh, guy Stephen Fry uh, recounts an imaginary conversation he would have with God, assuming he exists, because Stephen Fry, of course, is an atheist. And he says this, How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that's not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why would I expect Why would I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain. It's kind of confronting, isn't it? But uh, Now, I think it's an arrogant and breathtaking kind of uh, statement, but I think it speaks for many people uh, who would, uh, would affirm that God is not great, God is not good in the culture around us. And I think there is plenty of scope for thinking about how we can be convinced ourselves of the goodness of God uh, and the necessity of commending and contending for the goodness of God uh, to one another and to our world. Let me repeat, God is good all the time. This is the consistent testimony of Scripture. It's a complex goodness, no doubt when we uh, consider who God is. And it's it's complex on, on God's own admission. In Exodus 33, Moses asks to see God's glory. And the Lord says he will cause his goodness to pass before Moses. And this happens in Exodus 34, where the Lord hides Moses in a rock and then causes his goodness to pass by him. And as he does this, Moses hears a voice uh, of God. God describes his name and he says, this is my name, the Lord, the Lord, A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Sounds good. That all sounds good. But then then the Lord goes on. Uh, Yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Uh, God is good in his love. God is good in his judgments and um, his uh, judgments against sin. And, uh, and how those two fit together is a tension that runs through the Bible ultimately until we get to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a few references to God's goodness in the New Testament. Uh, and this may be this was a surprise when I thought I thought I'm going to find God is good right through the Bible. But when you get to the New Testament, almost no one says that God is good. Except for Jesus. Uh, When he meets the rich young ruler, uh, Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? Uh, Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. He's repeating the understanding of the the Old Testament there. Jesus is not described as good. He's described in Acts 10 as going around doing good, but uh, but not quite uh, the same. And this doesn't mean that Jesus is not good. It just means the language is uh, not used there. There might be a backhanded description in John one forty six. Nathanael asks if anything good can come out of Nazareth and we expect the answer, yes, that's Jesus, but that's very kind of obscure. Uh, but uh, but, but the, what, what we see in the New Testament is the language of love and mercy and kindness is the language that's commonly used about God and, of course, about the Lord Jesus Christ. These, these words, love and mercy and kindness, spell out or explain to us what God to be good means for us. And we read one of those verses in uh, Titus chapter 3, when uh, Paul says, the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. This is the verse I thought that actually had the word goodness in it. I thought it it said when the goodness and love of God appeared, I, I misremembered it, but that kindness fits in there as well. But everywhere in the scriptures, the goodness of God is assumed. Uh, and it's important for us to know that God is good. It has uh, at least three uh, important things uh, to uh, to help us as we think about this pastorally. We will not trust God unless we know He is good. Why would you put your trust in a God who is not good? You might have to uh, kind of rely on Him if He's all powerful but not good. But we would we put our trust and our faith in a God who is good. Um. If we doubt God's goodness, uh, we will have trouble with obedience because we will try and second-guess his law. We will second-guess his wise instructions to us because has he really got our goodness at heart, uh, our benefit at heart in his goodness? We will obey if we understand a God who is good. And uh, there's a basic confidence in life that the Christian person can have. We know that everything is going to be all right in the end. we've We've read the last page of the book. We know how it's all going to work out and we know that it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be a new heavens and an earth and all the rest of it. But if God is not good uh, and uh, he he needs to be able to able to do this and willing to do this, if God is not good, then this is maybe a monstrous lie uh, to us. We need that basic confidence. We need to be assured that God is good. And we can help one another to be assured of God's goodness. We can point one another to the scriptures we can, uh, we can read the Psalms together. We can, we can remind one another of the goodness of God to us in so many ways, and I want to briefly do that for us now. So God is good. Uh, let me count the ways that he is. God is good in choosing us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be his adopted children. God is good in the goodness of his creation, Uh, And uh, and we hear that chorus through Genesis. God is good in his day-to-day care of his whole creation. He causes the rain and the sun to shine and fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is good in his patience with his people. They continually fail and sin against him, the people of Israel. And yet God forgives and restores and brings them back God is good in that he is faithful in keeping his promises and we can be uh, sure that his promises will be kept. God's character is good. He's a loving father, Jesus tells us, who cares for his children, who loves them and disciplines them in their love. God is good in that he is kind to the undeserving, the ungrateful and the selfish, as we've sung a couple of times. God is described in terms of the shepherd, who is good, who leaves the 99 to search for the one who is lost. God is described as the good father who waits and watches for the wandering child to come back to him from a far country. And God is the one who is good, as I've said, who prepares a new creation for us to look forward to in hope. So God is good from the beginning of time to the end of time. uh, And he is good at every point in between. I guess we could say that he is good in everything, everywhere and all at once, if you want to kind of pick up that phrase. And of course, ultimately, right in the middle of that, we see in Jesus the goodness of God as we contemplate the cross, where we see uh, Jesus uh, take undertake God's judgment so that forgiveness, that, that sins being cast from as far from the east as the west, as we reminded at the beginning, that, that can happen. The goodness of God's judgment, the provision of his salvation, uh, the love of God poured out for us in his goodness so that we can be his children. It's all very well to say that God is good all the time, but it helps to be explicit and to think about exactly what that means. And I've just said a few things tonight. Uh, there is so much more. The cross, of course, would be enough. We would only need that as a single demonstration. But fortunately, there is so much more to say from the beginning to the end of Scripture. I guess what my hope is here that as I've kind of gone over this very simple and basic concept, that we've been encouraged again to think about uh, and to take on board the fact that God is good, to think about how you might be able to help convince one another, remind one another that God is good all the time, especially when those circumstances and perhaps our own psychology might conspire against accepting and believing this. And And encourage you to commend and contend for this understanding of God in our world when it's under challenge, if not outright denied. Let me finish by simply saying, uh, isn't it good that we have so many good things to say about the goodness of our God? And let me pray. Father, we do thank you that you are good and that you are good all the time. We pray that you will help us uh, to uh, not take for granted this very uh, simple and basic truth from your word. We pray that uh, you will help us to grow in our trust, in our obedience, in our confidence, knowing that you are good, working all things uh, for our good uh, according to your purpose as revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that in the, uh, in the midst of sometimes doubts that may come uh, and uh, words from our culture around us, that you will help us to hang on to this truth and to uh, let it do its good work in our lives of bringing forth that fruit of righteousness that you desire. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.